want to thank the session here for your invitation to be with you again. I remember uh, leading worship here, I don't know, 20 years ago, so it's nice to be back with you again. Our scripture reading this morning is from the Old Testament book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 2. If you read the end of chapter 1, where Israel, Joshua is told to prepare Israel for in three days they will be crossing. And then when you get to chapter 3, the crossing begins. Uh, what is chapter 2 doing here? Well, it has a very important place in the story of Joshua. We read the word of God, Joshua 2. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out from Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into the harlot's house, named Rahab, and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither uh, tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they have come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them, and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whither the men went, I wot not. Pursue them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. And she had brought them up to the roof of the house, and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way of the Jordan unto the fords. And as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came up to them upon the roof. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of this Red Sea for you when ye came out of Egypt, and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in the earth beneath. Now therefore, I pray you, Swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you this kind, kindness, that you also show kindness unto my father's house, and give me a true token, and that you will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters, and that all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, Our life for yours, if ye utter not this our business. And it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly uh, and truly with, with thee. Then she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, Get you in the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you, and, ye, and hide yourselves there three days, until the pursuers be returned, and afterward may ye go your way. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless, of this thine oath which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we are come into the, into the land, 
then shalt thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by and thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee and it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street his blood shall be upon his head and we will be guiltless and whosoever shall be with thee in the house his blood shall be on our head if any blood be upon him if thy any hand be upon him and if thou utter this our business then we will be quit of thine oath which thou hast made us swear and she said according to under the, your words so be it and she sent them away and they departed and she bound the scarlet line in the window and they went and came unto the mountains and abode there three days until the pursuers were returned and the pursuers sought them throughout all the way but found them not so the two men returned and descended from the mountain and passed over and came to Joshua the son of Nun and told him all things that befell them and they said unto Joshua truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land for even all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us this truly is the word of the Lord. Your congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, when the writer of the book of Hebrews gives that long catalog of heroes and heroes of the faith in Hebrews chapter 11, he mentions two women, Sarah, the wife of Abraham, and Rahab, the harlot. Rahab is remembered because of her tremendous act of faith whereby she hid the two spies and protected them from the uh, police of Jericho that the king of Jericho had sent to her home. Thus cataloged with the heroes and heroines of faith. And Rahab is engrafted into Israel. If you read Joshua 6, that story is told how Joshua sends men and they bring Rahab and her household into Israel. And after a proper time of ceremonial cleansing, she and her family are engrafted into Israel. And she will become an ancestress of David, and thus an ancestress of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we come to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew begins a genealogy. And in his genealogy, he mentions four women, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth the Moabitess, and the wife of Uriah, whom we call Bathsheba. He mentions four women whose marriage and whose activities in their own life were rather unusual, but whose activities furthered the line of the coming of the Christ, and thus furthered the line of the coming of the kingdom. We praise God for that. And whatever sins these women had, and they had many, they are not mentioned, they are not brought up in Matthew's genealogy. Actually, the Jews of Matthew's day considered Tamar and uh, Rahab to be great women because they were converts to Judaism. Therefore, they were great women. But the scripture, Matthew doesn't draw attention to that. You know, Rahab is frequently called a harlot in scripture. That was part of her livelihood. But what's interesting is that the biblical text never goes into any details about her lifestyle. Yes, as a prostitute, as a harlot, she should have been executed. 
for she is a sinful woman. But if you have no sins this morning, I invite you to cast the first stone. She was a sinner. So are you. So am I. Sure, she should have been executed, but by nature we all deserve everlasting condemnation. But the Bible is concerned with much more than her harlotry in chapter 2 of Joshua. In fact, if you read the last verse, verse 2 of this chapter, they echo, the spies echo in their report to Joshua what she told them. It's, it is as if she wrote the report for them that they bring back to Joshua. Perhaps she was a keeper of the local Jericho Inn. Not a Motel 6 or a Best Western as we know those things. And perhaps her income, not only housing guests, uh, she also uh, has flax. She was perhaps involved in linen weaving and dyeing. But she's remembered as a harlot. Yes, she was a woman of the night. But don't direct your thinking about that livelihood. For it is an act of faith wrought by the Holy Spirit that causes this uh, Canaanite harlot to abandon her former way of life, to abandon her city, and to become engrafted into the kingdom of God. We praise God for that good news. And so I want us to focus upon Joshua 2 this morning under the theme, By a Fearful Faith, Rahab Lives. Notice, first of all, her fear. But then also notice her faith. And because of her faith, her works. And finally, her redeemer. If you know anything about the geography of this part of the world, you will know that Jericho was the major city that is on the west side of the, the Jordan River, on the plain there, the south end of the Jordan. And as a major city, it would have been a place where trading caravans would have come by frequently. But Jericho in this chapter is having the jitters. There's war talk in the air. For the people of Jericho, the citizens of Jericho know very well that just on the east side of the Jordan is a very large nomadic people who have an impressive history. They have heard the stories of the Red Sea crossing. They have heard the stories of the more recent defeats of Sihon and Og Amorite kings. Now maybe some of the citizens of Jericho would try to calm the jitters by saying, look, the Jordan is at flood stage. No army, no people can cross the Jordan at this time at flood stage. And remember, our city walls are thick. Archaeology has confirmed that the walls of Jericho were very thick walls. But we all, if we know the story, what God can do to water, he can cut it. We all know what he can do to walls. He can bring them down. And yet Jericho has the jitters. They're nervous. And it's into that city come two spies. Now they try to be secret, but they are spotted. They are spotted, and they are spotted especially going to the home of Rahab the harlot, whose home was built into those thick walls. You know, kings would often use prostitutes to get information. These caravans that go back and forth between Mesopotamia and Egypt would have had a lot of information. 
And what's interesting, that is a tactic used by governments to this very day. Uh, perhaps you remember the story several decades ago where Marine guards at the American embassy in Moscow were compromised by prostitutes. The KGB knows how to appeal to our sinful desires. And she tells a lie when the Jericho police come to her door. Now, I know that a lot of ink has been spilled discussing her lie. Lying is wrong. Lying is a sin. Liars are to be condemned. But also bear this in mind as we think about what she did. It was a sign of oriental culture that if you accept a guest into your home, you are obligated to protect them. That was culture then. Now, I'm not going to say that's right or wrong. I'm saying that is what they would do. And so you might say, well, she's following the practice of her day and age. But it, there's much more than that. Much, much more than that. For let me ask you, why should she give any more assistance to the Jericho king? When her own heart and loyalties are switching from Jericho and its gods and king to the Lord. She's going to pledge allegiance to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Why should she give any assistance whatsoever to the Jericho King? Jericho has the jitters, but so does Rahab. And so before the men finally drift off to sleep, she comes up to the roof to talk to them. And she pours out her heart in verses 9 through 13. Basically, she says this, we are afraid. We are very afraid. We have heard what your God did, the Lord, Yahweh, what he did to uh, the Red Sea when, he, when you came out of Egypt. We have heard about those defeats of Sihon and Og, the great Amorite kings in the Transjordan. We melted. We melted. You know, ice, if it's, if it's thick and firm, can hold up a truck. Some of these people do ice fishing and drive out onto solid ice, but when it's melted, there's no way it could support anything um, of weight. We melted from strong ice to water. We're scared. I know, she says, that if you come and conquer this city, we are all dead. I know that. And so please, I've, I've given you some assistance. I've hidden you. Would you please spare my family? You know, she's typical, therefore, of the Canaanite population. For the whole city is scared. You get to chapter 6, they're going to lock the gates to keep these Israelites out. She's scared. But how, how typical that is when people outside of the kingdom of God sing, see the kingdom of God advancing. The church was no threat to the Roman emperors, and yet... A number of Roman emperors decreed persecution of the Christians, killed them. We were no threat to the government of the Soviet Union, and yet we were killed. We are still the enemies of the state in North Korea, parts of China, parts of India, Muslim countries. When the world sees the kingdom of a God advancing, it becomes very either boastful or... In its fear, it lashes out to destroy us, if possible. 
And yet our society here in America, we're too proud to admit that. And yet, who are, what are the deities that our culture uh, follows here? For example, Americans prize the individual. But individualism, if that's the reigning philosophy of the Americans, what does that bring us? Let me just illustrate. Marriage is no longer viewed by most state governments and the federal government is no longer viewed as an estate into which two, two individuals enter. It is a contract. And if one person wants out of the contract, there's nothing the other person can do to stop it. Individualism. I have the right to do with my body what I want. I have the right to do this and the next thing. Man splits the atom, but we fear the consequences. Nuclear energy can be a wonderful source of power, and yet we can also turn the world, humanly speaking, into a cinder in 24 hours. People are gripped with economic fears. We have a debt as a nation that is virtually insurmountable. We are afraid of diseases. We are made to be afraid of diseases. We have a climate that is changing in ways that we are told to be afraid. In other words, the gods of silver and gold, the gods of the individual, the gods of oil and grain have not and cannot bring in the kingdom of God. And then the church comes and says this message. The true kingdom of God has, has a monarch named Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of all creation. And he says clearly in his word that the kingdom of God has come. The time is at hand, Mark chapter 1, repent and believe the gospel. And the world says we will not repent. Then face the judgment, for he will come someday to judge the living and the dead. And the reaction, we don't want to hear your message. Stop persecuting us. We will cancel you. We will kill you if necessary. The kingdom of God advances. It's on the east side of the Jordan River. And here is Rahab, like so many other Canaanites, terrified. She's scared, but she admits it. But instead of locking up her heart, as the city of Jericho will, to keep God out, she opens up her life in an expression of beautiful faith. If you have your Bibles open, look at what's said in verse 9. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. When we get to the end of uh, verse 11, she says, you know, your God, Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, is the God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. That's her confession of faith. Simple to the point. Like a person who has never been raised up in a church, she just has a very simple confession. I know that the Lord is giving you the land. Your God is the God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. Whatever pagan gods she may have worshipped, she says, you know, whatever gods there are, your God is, is the God. And she's confessing this on the basis of what? 
some stories. The story of the Exodus. Now think, that happened 40 years ago. And yet, that story still lives on the streets of Jericho. She knows about it. As well as the more recent defeats of the Amorite kings, Sihon and Og. She knew simply some truth stories about God leading Israel to victory. And she believed. I know that the Lord hath given the land to you. Now that therefore raises this question among us today as we read this story. It's the question of knowledge and faith and belief. Brothers and sisters, what do you know? And what do you believe on the basis of what you know? Rahab did not have the benefit of Sunday school, catechetical instruction. She never attended a Christian school in Jericho because there were no Christian schools in Jericho at all. She believed on what she heard, which forces us to say this, or at least to reflect on the question, in the Christian church today, where is the payoff for all that Sunday school, catechizing, Christian day education, homeschooling in a Christian uh, environment? Where, where does that pay off for many? We have heard the stories of the gospel. God sent his own son into this world, born as a baby, lived the perfect life, condemned to death by a Roman governor, and in that death he takes the punishment of hell that we deserve upon himself, really and truly paying the debt that you and I could never pay. But then on the third day he conquers death by his glorious resurrection, ascends to the right hand of the Father, and there he is enthroned, waiting for his enemies to become the footstool of his feet. Now these are the facts. Do we believe them? And if they are true, and if we believe them, how does our life change because of that? Think of this. The Holy Spirit is working in her hearts, in her heart. And therefore, when she heard these stories of things she had never experienced personally, she believed it. Rahab the Canaanite harlot believes more in the Lord than did the ten spies who actually came out of Egypt on dry ground. They experienced it firsthand. You know, they say seeing is believing. No, believing is believing. Remember the story, the 12 spies are sent to check out Canaan and they come back to the general assembly and there's a majority report and there's a minority report. The majority report of 10 say, there's no way, there's no way we can take this land. Not at all. I mean, these Canaanites, they are giants, their cities are thick and strong. Uh, we are like grasshoppers next to these Canaanites. A bunch of fearful, uh, someone once said girly men, but that Rahab is a girl who has more faith and backbone than these ten men did. They experience the Lord's mighty deeds and they don't believe. Only two men, Joshua and Caleb, the minority report said, no, 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 wait, Yahweh is great, we can take this land. 
but Israel votes for the majority report and spends 40 more years in the wilderness. Rahab had a fearful faith based upon stories of things that she never personally experienced. And yet she believed. And it's because of that faith in what Yahweh was and what Yahweh could do, she acts. She acts upon her faith. This is why James will mention her in James chapter 2 as a person who has not an empty faith, but a faith that actually does something. This is what she does. She hid the two spies. Now consider for a moment what that would have meant. If the king of Jericho had discovered that she was actually hiding the spies and that she had lied to her to his uh, policeman, what would he have done? Would they have had a rose garden conference and talk about it over tea? He would have killed her with no mercy, no second thought, and he would have executed her entire family. You don't lie to an ancient Middle Eastern monarch and get away with it. You know, in our country, we, we sometimes have, we discover spies who are giving valuable information to other nations, and some of those nations are hostile to us. Now, that's an act of treason that, under certain circumstances, could lead to the death of Americans. We give them 20, 20 years in jail. The king of Jericho would have executed her with no second thoughts. And therefore, what she did was risky. Being a believer is often risky. And faith in Jesus Christ causes Christians to do some things that, you know, you, you would look at and say, oh, that was pretty gutsy. But since the kingdom of God is the only thing that matters, we live in accordance with that, don't we? You know, and she's not just interested in herself alone. She wants her parents and their, her whole family, her brothers and sisters and their families to live. And so she, she brings them into that house where they will be safe. It's like what Paul and Silas said to the Philippian jailer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And that's the end result of this whole episode. By a faith mixed with being scared to death, Rahab lives. But she lives only because of the mercy of her son, Jesus Christ, her Redeemer. Oh yes, brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus Christ has not yet been born in Joshua 2, but he is so much in control of every event. So much control that not one of all of God's elect is lost. Not one. And one of the elect includes Rahab, a Canaanite harlot. For Jesus Christ came into this world to save and to save sinners and to save even vile, disgusting sinners. Yes, Joshua 6.25 will say that uh, Joshua, uh, once the walls collapse and the city is conquered, it's you know, bring out Rahab and her family, and they have to go through a period of cleansing, but they are engrafted into the nation of Israel. And that is possible because of a later Joshua. We call him Jesus. 
but it's simply a New Testament version of the name Joshua, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is so merciful that here in Joshua 2, he's saving his own mother. He's saving his own mother, Rahab, who was a Canaanite harlot, so that she could become engrafted into the kingdom and thus become an ancestress of David and, of course, the greater David, Jesus Christ. Now remember, she was a fallen woman. And as a citizen of Jericho, she was slated for destruction, anathema, condemnation. She should have died, but instead she is saved by grace through faith. By grace through faith, even though her faith had a long way to go. I mean, she, she needs further instruction. And yet God's first action in taking the land is not the destruction of Jericho. The first action of conquest was to transform the heart of a Canaanite prostitute. That's the first thing he does. Who says that the God of the Old Testament is a cruel and bloodthirsty uh, tyrant? His first act is an act of mercy. And therefore, this story is another story of how the kingdom of God advances. But it's also a story of what kind of king he is. What kind of king is this that's marching through the, the world conquering sinners? He's a king who stoops down, who gets down, who comes into a world that is filled with vile, vile sinners like you and me. But in his tender, deep, grace. He is powerful to regenerate us and to open our eyes to see the glories of who he is, the glories of Christ Jesus. What will bring the world to Jesus Christ? An impressive story, Will, but it's a story that's based in real time and space, real facts. Jesus has come. Jesus has died for us, our sins, really and truly. Jesus has conquered death. Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. And so what will the church bring to the world? An impressive story. We call it the gospel. And that gospel gives life. It's a story of grace that we receive through the Holy Spirit of Jesus and leads us to faith. By grace alone, through faith alone, we live. And that life is in Christ. Remember and believe that by a fearful faith, even Rahab lives. That's good news. Amen. Let us pray together. Gracious God, our Father, we thank you for what your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, did in the city of Jericho that you, your eyes, your grace were upon even Rahab, who heard the story of what you did in conquering uh, the Egyptians, in conquering the Amorites, and she lived. She believed, and she lived. And so, Father, help us to take what we know from the pages of Scripture, from all that we have learned and studied over many years, and to take that to heart, to take hold by faith what we know but and then to live in a way 
that demonstrates our faith is alive. And so write this story upon the tablets of our hearts for Jesus' sake. Amen.